welcome back. This is episode 79 of the At the Coffee Table podcast. I am Jason Klink, your host. Today, I have the privilege of sitting down at the table with Lindsay Olson. Now, Lindsay, I wanted to have on the show because of uh, she's a digital creator who's, I mean, get this, visited six continents, 43 countries, 48 of the continuous 50 United States. Um, she's a dual citizen between the U.S. and Mexico and fluent in three languages. Um, she's traveled all across the globe um, in, in places that are connected both by history and culture and have a strong focus on education. Um, and, and luckily, she gets to do this with a, a flexibility of working from home. So, Lindsay, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm definitely happy to be here. Outstanding. So I wanted to dive right in because I, you know, I, I connected with you on on Instagram and and just the watching your feed and watching your content and what you create and and I mean the photos are outstanding by themselves. But um, the way you share the stories behind the places that that you go to, like recently I saw that you know you were in South Carolina, uh, which is I think is a super cool state. Gorgeous ton of history. Um, but just to back up, I guess, is what got you into this, this passion for travel? Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a million different ways that I could answer this. Um, because I could talk about what got me into travel at the beginning of my life as a child, I could talk about what got me into travel as an adult. And so I guess I'll give you a little bit of both, but First off, I'm very lucky that my parents are passionate travelers. Mm. So I had already traveled to very much of Mexico. My mom is from Mexico, from Mexico City originally. Um, I had already traveled very much of Mexico when I was a young child. And then funny enough, my dad is a huge fan of University of Washington football. And so we traveled all around the country to go to University of Washington football games. And that's kind of how I think by the time I was in my 20s, I had already probably done more than half of the United States. And by then I was like, you know what, I'm already at like 24, 25. I might as well keep going and try to go to all of the different states. So I grew up with a fundamental, I guess, um, beginning in travel because of my parents. We had also gone to Europe when I was a child. Um, But then once I got older... I kind of let out for travel for a little bit. Like when I was in college and and my early 20s, I I think I was just really focused on like, you know, doing what every other 20 year old did and starting my career and partying and, you know, kind of doing what what young 20s folks do. It was, I think when I was like 25 years old that I had a horrible breakup and I was really, really depressed. Oh, wow. And that was the time I decided to take my first solo trip. And this was the first time that I really traveled for the purpose of just like going and enjoying a place versus traveling with friends. Because the other trips I had done had been like, again, going to Vegas with friends, going to San Diego with friends, going to Mexico with friends. And my first solo trip was Quebec City. Um, I had Googled what are safe places for women to travel solo. I speak French. I've spoken French since I was in kindergarten. And so I thought Quebec would be a really easy place for me to do something that felt different than the United States, was safe, had a language I could speak, and had some cultural interest to it. So that was my first solo trip when I was 25. And I ended up realizing, like, I actually really enjoy myself. I enjoy traveling by myself. It started me 
getting this almost addiction to travel, which is what helped me get over that breakup. And the more I did it, the more I realized I love this. And I got to the point where every single time I would come back from a trip, I would already be thinking about what was my next one going to be. <laughs> That's fantastic. And, you know, it's, I really can kind of, I really can buy into that mindset of, of going out and, and traveling and getting new experiences and buying into experiences. Cause I think that, especially like the generation that I come from, that going out and spending money on experiences was never, uh, you know, a heavy weighted thing growing up. You know, it was more sure. about preparing for the future and not indulging in the now. And, um, you know, I, and I was just having this conversation with my wife at the end of last year because we were, we're having a conversation about Christmas gifts and getting enough gifts for each kid. And what are we going to blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know what, we should do very few gifts and, and plan more experiences and go more places and see more things. Um, and I just find that those long lasting memories and that value that comes from, from being able to do that. And luckily we're in a position where we can do that. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it just, I don't know. I, it's just something that, that I think is more, a little bit more fulfilling. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I will definitely vouch with that for Christmas. I would say my parents and I are not huge on giving each other material gifts. Um, if you've seen my Christmas posts, I think the biggest joy my parents and I get out of Christmas is that we label all of our Christmas gifts to be from like people we don't like. <laughs> and uh, apologies to your audience. Cause I don't want to alienate anyone, but I will just say my parents and I are not we're not Trump fans. So every Christmas we're getting gifts from Donald Trump and his entire uh. like a whole, and that's how we label our gifts. And honestly, that's the best part of Christmas. Our gifts are usually very small things. We don't spend a lot of money on material things right? Um, because we know that really what it brings us the most enjoyment is experiences. Right. Yes. hundred percent. And I was just thinking too, before we had started, before we jumped on the podcast, because in your, your, your bio, it talked about, you know, having the flexibility of working from home and you'd go and spend a month here, a month there. And I have a, a former colleague of mine that started doing the same thing. She's a young lady, not married, no kids, nothing really tying her down. And she spent a summer with her boyfriend, just going to different cities. Uh, it had a dual purpose, but, you know, she wanted to see different cities, but she was also specking out which part of the country she wanted to live in next. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just got back from a little bit over a month in Mexico City. Um, Mexico City is a little bit of a different place for me because it is where, <clears throat> excuse me, it's where my mom is from. Right. So I grew up going to Mexico City for at least one month, if not more, out of every year when I was growing up. Right. Um, so Mexico City is, is very different, but I had never experienced Mexi Mexico City the way I just did with me living in Mexico City because I had always gone and stayed at my grandparents' house and everything I'd done had already been, has always been with family. Like we're going to go out together. We're going to go eat together. We're going to go do this together. Right. So this was my first time living in Mexico City like an adult, having my own schedule, doing my own thing. And it was really incredible because for the first time I got a better sense of this is the layout of the city. This is where this neighborhood is. This is where this neighborhood is. This is what there is to do there. This is how I get to such and such rather than just being driven around places, which is a hard way to actually really get a lay of a city. Right. Um, so I feel like it was the most powerful experience I've had connected with Mexico City. 
Um, and my mom and I are actually thinking of buying a place there uh, together that we can, my grandparents are, are no longer with us. They're going to be selling my grandparents' house. This way, my mom and I can still have a place to tie us to Mexico City forever, which we always want to have. Right. Um, we can go stay for, for you know, a little bit more time and then Airbnb it for the rest of the year. So that way we can make up the costs of not always using it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And a little passive income. <laughs> exactly. And as you mentioned, you know, I, I think there has been a big shift in generations between save for retirement, have your nest egg and mm -hmm. you know, travel and live now. I am somebody that is very, very, I see the value in both. And I also do make sure to put a lot away for retirement. Um, and so I do see that as something that is, is definitely good for building a future as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I I would have to think that the the benefit of, of doing having this travel and, and connecting in different places is you just never know what kind of connections you're going to make in order to, you know, either facilitate new travel or facilitate yeah. an opportunity. Yeah, I've um, I would say when I travel solo, I make way more friends than when I travel with somebody um, because it forces me to go out and connect with people if that's something I'm planning on doing. So I remember must've been like 2017, I went to Budapest by myself and I went to a rave by myself and I'm actually not really a big drinker. I'm not, I've never been somebody who really, I guess when, when I was in my early twenties a little bit, but right. um, pretty early into to my mid twenties, I, I stopped really going out a whole lot, yeah. but there was this big thing called Sparty which is at the Hungarian baths and they do this rave at the Hungarian baths that normally you go and you like swim in the day and you enjoy the hot baths and the cold baths. And I ended up making friends with this guy from Australia. I kind of hope he, he hears this podcast because I still think he's the best. Um, and ended up hanging out with him for a, a significant portion of the remainder of my time in Budapest. And this it's now been four what was 2017, five years ago, and we're still friends. And uh, and that's something that's really nice about solo travel is I have friends all over the world, a lot in Australia, because Australia's a, Australians are like the best travelers in the world. So I would say I have more friends in Australia than any other country as far as who have I connected with. But I do have friends in Canada, in the UAE, um, through different areas of Europe. Uh, I have friends in Cambodia and it's really incredible because these are all folks that I've met while traveling solo. Has, uh, that's really interesting. And, and I, that's just phenomenal how you can make those connection points with people that you probably would never have seen yeah. prior to going to wherever you were at. Um, have you, has your travel really been, especially overseas, has it been hampered by the the current environment, we'll call it. Yeah. So I personally am somebody who took COVID very seriously. I lost a very close friend to COVID very okay. early in the pandemic and somebody who was in his thirties. Mm. Um, so for me, COVID, I was kind of scared straight about COVID pretty quickly because it, it wasn't really the person that you would have expected this to happen to. So my first year of COVID, I actually left New York City, which is where I'm based out of. I lived with my parents for nine months in Arizona just to stay away from crowds and not be in a tiny apartment by myself. Sure. The only travel I did was my friends and I rented an RV and we drove back to New York City later in that year. But aside from that, I really did not travel until I was vaccinated. Mm-hmm. 
And even so, I would say, I mean, I traveled a lot once I got vaccinated, but I did keep it a little bit more local. I did a lot more U.S. travel and I did a lot more road tripping and stuff that I could do outdoors. Right. As opposed to, you know, I, I did go to Europe one time. I went to Spain. I did go to Madrid last year, which was incredible. But I, I found it to be a little bit anxiety building to, to book trips to other countries because you didn't know, like, was that country going to be locked down at the time that you go? Was it going to have right. a big surge? Um, I, I, I'm feeling more and more like I can go anywhere again. Um, but still, you know, things can change at any moment with surges and restrictions. And sure. I also have been, I guess, a little bit more anxious with COVID because of Omicron recently and not necessarily because I'm afraid of getting very sick because I'm not, I I'm, I'm vaccinated. I'm boosted. I'm not terrified of getting sick. What I am terrified of is I have a flight in a couple days to Bogota and Colombia. Then a week later, I have a flight to Cartagena. Then a week later, I have a flight to Medellin. And if I get COVID, I have to cancel a lot of stuff. Yeah. And so right now I'm more paranoid about getting COVID and having to cancel things than I am about getting COVID and getting sick to where I am still kind of forcing my friends to go to dinner with me outdoors. Oh, jeez. You know, and I am still very diligent about wearing a mask. And again, it's not because I'm particularly worried about getting sick. It's because the, my nightmare is having to cancel all of my plans. Well, and I think it just, the bigger picture has has, you know, you have to keep that in view based on the current environment. Um, cause like you said, it's one of those things where now you have to pivot and start canceling things and yeah. rebooking and quarantining and, you know, everything that goes along with that. Um, and so, yeah. I have a massive guilt complex. Like I do have a big guilt complex of the idea that like, if I get COVID and I give it to somebody else and that other person gets really sick, um, which is something that I really, I am going to say, I really appreciate about Latin America, um, having lived in Mexico city and anticipating it might be the same in Colombia, having seen something very similar in Spain as well. Um, the people are much more diligent about COVID there. Like everybody wears a mask. Um, the vaccination rates are, are very high. Um, I know they're, they're higher in Mexico city than they are in, in the United States. So I do have a little bit less of that guilt complex because, everybody is being so diligent. I almost feel a bigger sense of freedom being in a place where everybody is wearing a mask and taking COVID seriously, because I don't feel like, holy crap, I'm going to step in the grocery store and get it. Like I have experienced in Arizona, for example, here in the United States, when I visit my parents, that nobody's doing anything to, to take precautions. Mm. So yeah, that's interesting. And yeah, and you can't, the, the thoughts going through my head are just like, we just don't know how other countries, other parts of the world are actually handling all of this and if they're handling it well or not, because the, the information that comes out is skewed at best. Um, so that's good to hear that, you know, the diligence is definitely there, especially where, where you're traveling to. Now, let me ask you this. Why, why is the next trip Columbia? Um, well, so I'm not a big fan of winter. I don't want to be in New York winter. So I think these long stays, I'm much more prone to do them in the winter so I can get out of New York city winter weather. Yeah. Um, I do work full time. Um, mm. I have a sales job and I have to meet with clients. And so it's a little bit difficult for me. I can't really do this in Asia. I can't really do this in, 
I can sort of make it work in Europe, but I do need to be in the same time zone or at least a manageable time zone for my clients. So Latin America, I would say, is probably the easiest for me mm, in okay. the time of winter. Plus, I am fluent in Spanish. Mm -hmm. um, and so as far as Colombia, I'm kind of open to going anywhere in Latin America. It had the cheapest flight. And a lot of times I book my trips, I, I intend on going everywhere in the world at some point. So I tend to book a lot based on like, what's the cheapest place to go to at the time? Because I'm no, I know I'm going to go everywhere eventually anyway. So why not this one now? Oh, that's awesome. Fantastic. So of all the places you've been to, and I'll, I'll kind of do these in different parts, but you know, of all the places you've been to, what is your, your favorite place to, or probably the most profound place you've been in the U S and the same thing outside of the U S. Okay. Oh man. The U S one is hard because the U S and I, I don't want to sound like I was a downer about the U S with my COVID stuff because I love the U S. I think the U S is an incredible place. Yeah. The U S is really hard to pick what is the best place I've been. Oh, <laughs> okay. It's all really, really incredible. And, and yeah. it's so unique. Like I can say, I'm just going to give you a, a number of different places in the United States. You know, from an urban perspective, I love where I live, New York City. Mm -hmm. um, I love where I grew up, which is Seattle. Um, I love many areas of, I would say the South, for example. I really, really love New Orleans, and I really, really love Charleston. As you mentioned, that I was just in South Carolina. I think those right. are two incredible cities. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I can just keep going. DC is an incredible city. Boston is an incredible city. Mm -hmm. um, you know, California is incredible all across the thing, uh, the whole the whole state. And then you have the urban side of the United States, but you also have the outdoorsy side of the United States. And so places yeah. like Yellowstone and just the entire state of Wyoming is incredible. The entire state of Utah is incredible. The entire state of Arizona is incredible. Then you go out east, you go out places like Maine. Maine is incredibly beautiful. It's just, it's really hard to pick a favorite. Oh, Texas. Texas has some really incredible places. It's really hard to pick a favorite with the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Honestly, the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking too, because I was just, I just happened to be in Texas for work and I was in West Tex Tex Texas, easy for me to say, um, south of El Paso, kind of along the Rio Grande. And it's amazing. I just, that is uh, sites like I have never, ever experienced. I mean, you can, you have the flattest, flattest land, but then you just have mountain ranges that are, you know, on the horizon that you end up driving through. But um, it's just a really cool picturesque kind of area. I think it's one of those things that you don't even really expect because Texas is so big. And I definitely yeah. think that Texas can have some little reputations for like tumbleweeds and lots of nothing, which... I can vouch. I've driven through Texas many times. There is a lot of nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but then there's these areas of Texas. Like if you go to Big Bend National Park, I think one of the most underrated national parks in the country. And as you said, there's mountain ranges and you're right on the Rio Grande. And it's it's really, really cool. Yeah, um, for sure. As far as outside of the United States, I, I, that is an extremely easy answer for me. And it's Japan. Really? Japan is the coolest place on earth. Like they are living in the year 3000. They wow. feels like you've stepped into the future. Everything is efficient, impressive, huge. You feel so safe, like a place that I never, ever felt worried about safety. Um, 
the culture is extremely respectful, extremely law abiding. Like mm. I remember I, I was kind of a mess for some reason on that trip and I kept forgetting things and like leaving things places. And I would go back and that thing would be there days later. Oh. Like I, I left a scarf at a store and they had my scarf. I accidentally dropped my phone in a ride at Disneyland in Tokyo. And I got my phone back minutes later. And I just can't imagine that at most other Disney parks, like I feel like somebody would have taken my phone. Right, um, right. That's just not a thing in, in Japan. So that's really impressive. The trains are incredibly impressive. Like you show up to the train 30 seconds late and you've missed the train. No. Um, and they're so fast and they're gorgeous and clean. And some other standouts, just like little things about Japan, they have heated public toilet seats that play music so that <laughs> people don't hear your business. Like it's right. really cool. They have That's vending crazy. machines that give you the, the perfect hot tea. Um, and then the food is incredible. There's a million different things to do. The city's incredible. The out the the outskirts are also really incredible. Mount Fuji's incredible. Japan is just a place that I think everyone needs to go. Yeah, you know it's funny because I have ironically I have a, a coaching client that's a, a real estate agent in in Tokyo, and I've had the distinct pleasure of learning about Tokyo just through her and and the real estate business there. And all I keep thinking to myself every time her and I have a conversation is, man, I got to, this is definitely on the bucket list. <laughs> it's really, really an incredible place. Um, some other places that I'll put out. So Japan is like definitely number one. Um, I really, really loved my time in Australia. I spent about close to a month in Australia. Um, when I was in between jobs, I, I quit my, my, previous job. I took six months off. I traveled all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, I spent about a month in Australia. I went to Sydney, Melbourne, and Cairns. Loved all three. Had a really great time there. Love Budapest. That's probably my favorite city in Europe. Um, but it, it's kind of the same with Europe, like the United States. It, it's all incredible. It is hard to pick a favorite because I, I just don't think there's anywhere that you could go in Europe and not have an incredible experience. Good to know because once another, I, I, I've been kind of joking around, not joking around with with my sister in law because she'll turn, she'll turn forty the same year I turn fifty, and we were saying, well, we got we we have to do a big trip. We got to celebrate. The, what's that? You definitely should. Yeah. So, and her big thing, she wants to go to Italy. You know, uh, she wants to go to Italy and see, um, you know, everything that you know the go to Rome and, and see, you know, go see the Pope. That's her thing. She's going to go see the Pope. Um, but well, I, I'm like, the Pope, you can go to Vatican city. You can go to the Sistine chapel. I've been a couple of times. I've never seen the Pope. But go <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, and I keep, I keep kind of prodding her. I'm like, listen, Hey, we gotta, we gotta get this planned. If we're going overseas for, for the birthdays, it's coming soon. Yeah. So it'd be, be, be interesting if, if the, if we can get that put together, because that'd be my first trip to Europe. I love Italy. I've been to Italy, I think, two or three times. Um, okay. Two of those were with my parents before I was 18. One of those is as an, as an adult. Um, Rome is, is 
I would say Rome is somewhere that you definitely want to experience for the history, like mm -hmm. going to the Colosseum, going to the Roman Forum. Like there's uh, it, there's a lot of really incredible history there. But as far as like where I've liked better in Italy, I think getting out of Rome is really good. Like Florence is a cool city. Mm -hmm. um, my favorite in Italy is the Amalfi Coast. It's uh, just really beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, what coast is that on though? Is well, so the Amalfi Coast is the name of the coast. It's over on what I would say is like the west coast of Italy. Like if you okay. go down the boot, it's toward it's very close to Naples. Naples okay. is where pizza was invented. Yep. Um, but you basically you go to Naples and then you just want to do a little trip kind of going throughout the coast, like spend a night or two on the island of Capri, spend a night in Positano, or maybe a couple nights in Positano, because I would say that's the biggest of all the little cities across the coast. Right. Um, we spent a couple nights in Amalfi. We went to Ravello. Um, we went to Priano, like just a lot of really cute towns that are very colorful, full of energy incredible food of course in italy i think we had pasta every single day right right <laughs> um <laughs> we had pasta like every day and pizza i think every other day hey when in italy eat like the italians <laughs> yeah and then all the seafood of course great seafood in italy right too. right that's phenomenal now is there is there any place currently that's still in your bucket of, of your bucket list that you haven't seen yet that you you know you're you're definitely going to go to I mean, I would say everywhere is on my bucket list. <laughs> I have this hope that countries that are really dangerous are going to be cool when I'm like 80. Right. Like, I really hope that like somehow geopolitics like, you know, make it so that like North Korea and Somalia and like Syria are all like chill vacations once I'm 80. And I'm saving <laughs> all of this the, those places for, for last. Because um, so, I really will go everywhere. I would say my near future bucket list. I mean, some of them are also kind of not wonderfully feasible right now, like somewhere that's been really high on my list as far as where do I want to experience the culture? Where do I want to experience the history is Russia? But obviously mm. there's a lot going on with Russia right now that it's yeah. not where I would be going. But I'm fascinated by Russian history. I love the history of the Tsars and the Romanovs. Um, the history of the Russian, Russian Revolution is very interesting. Um, so I'm I'm dying to go to St. Petersburg. It just looks incredible, but unfortunately, I, I've had to uh, I have to put that one a little bit lower on my list given what's going on right now. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd really like to go to though other parts of I, I haven't done as much of Eastern Europe as Western Europe, so I have not done like the Baltics, like up in Estonia and Latvia and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't done much of the Balkans. Um, for example, like Bosnia or Albania or Montenegro or places like that. So I, I want to go there. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't done a ton of South America. Like I really, I haven't been to the only, the only places in South America I've been to are Peru and Venezuela when I was a kid, which I'm, I'm kind of glad I got to bucket list Venezuela off a, a long time ago. Right. <laughs> um, I feel very sad for for the state of Venezuela because I know when I was a kid it was a really it was really beautiful and really really a nice vacation. Right. Um, but I I've only been to those two. So for South America, I'd really like to go to Uruguay. I'd like to go to Bolivia. I'd like to go down to Chile and Argentina, and especially go to like uh, Patagonia. Um, but again, I think the world is uh, there's areas of Africa. I'd really like to go to Namibia. I'd really like to go to Tunisia. I'd like to go to Egypt. There's just, 
you that that question's hard for me to answer because sure. ultimately the answer is I want to go everywhere for as long and as far as possible. Exactly. <laughs> That's fantastic. So with with all the travel and is is any unique or fascinating opportunities kind of fell on your lap because of the way you you digitally recreate or digitally document where you've been? Um, I mean, I certainly, so I, I do my Instagram thing and I will, you know, shout it out to your followers. It's at Linz Olson, L-I-N-C-O-L-S-O-N. And I'm sure that you will put it in your, um, you'll, you'll put it in the bio, but, yeah. um, I do wherever I go, I take photos. I, I would like to think I've become pretty good at photography. I actually take all of, not all of, but the majority of my photos, I take them myself on a tripod. So I set up my camera, I take them on my tripod, I do them myself. Um, if I'm not doing my photos myself, it's probably my mom, who is a really good photographer and she travels with me all the time. Um, <laughs> But I would say doing the photo thing, and I'm not really doing it for money. Like I know that it's it's you know kind of an influencer thing, and I do occasionally get some sponsorships, but I'm doing it more because I like it and because mm -hmm. I like learning the history and sharing the history and hoping that I'm educating some people on the history because every single one of my photos, you're going to see a long caption talking about fun facts about the area, history of the area, what to do in that area. Like I, I just feel like Instagram has such a good ability to educate people and not just be about like, look what I'm doing. Look how right. cool I am. Look at, right. you know, I don't, I don't want it to be this, like, look at how cool I am for traveling kind of situation. I really want people to learn about these places. Yeah. Um, and so it has opened up some opportunities in terms of, I mean, look, I'm on your podcast because you found me on Instagram. Right. Um, I have, occasionally gotten some free hotel stays and stuff like that and ended up going to places that I may, maybe wouldn't have gone to otherwise because they gave me an offer. Um, you know, I've ended up at some restaurants and stuff like that because of Instagram that maybe I wouldn't have, wouldn't have known of otherwise. So I've definitely had some opportunities there. Um, I did, I guess, date one of my followers <laughs> at one point. It didn't work out. He turned out to be kind of a douche, but I, uh, <laughs> I did have some dating experiences because of that too. So it's, it's opened up some opportunities, but I would say, you know, it's still a fairly small network of people. Um, you know, what, what has been really cool is the people I engage with on Instagram on a daily basis who are also right. very interested in discussing history and, you know, I'll post about something and then I will end up in a long conversation in my DMs about Theodore Roosevelt with one of my followers. And that's what I really enjoy. That's cool. That's great. Well, you know, I, I appreciate you taking the time out in this early Saturday morning, kind of early Saturday morning. Um, I, I find the travel just fascinating. I'm, just gl I'm glad we were able to connect. Um, and hopefully more people will connect with you on, on Instagram and, and see your, your travels and where you're going yeah. next. Um, but with that, I, I just want to thank you for joining me and thank you for taking the time out here today. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for having me. And again, for anybody who wants to follow me, I try to be a pretty open book. Um, you know, I, I really want in Instagram to be a place that is more, I, I, I think I'm trying my best to be my genuine self and, and not fake things. And, you know, right. I'm, I'm trying to be really real about the things that I present there. Um, I'm generally pretty open to responding to DMs as long as they're respectful and not just dudes 
you know, being an old. <laughs> but you know, if you have questions about the places that I'm posting about, feel free to ask me. Feel free to ask for recommendations. You know, feel I love when I get people telling me on Instagram that they went to a place because I posted about it. Um, that brings me a lot of joy. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm always open to, to chatting and giving recommendations on Instagram, you know, don't feel, feel afraid to reach out. That's fantastic. Lindsay, this has been awesome and I appreciate it. Anybody that's listening uh, to the podcast today, please, you know, drop a comment, share with others that you might feel would get any kind of value. Um, you don't get any commercials on this podcast. So, you know, the only, the only fee that we ask is that you share it with everybody else. Um, so with that, Lindsay, you have a great rest of your weekend. Um, and for everyone that's listening, take care of yourselves, take care of each other and have a great day. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Jason. You're welcome. All right. Bye.